This is the Healthy Worship Team Podcast, and I'm your host, Julie Angler. If you're a worship leader who's ready to get to the next level, whether it's to help your team thrive as your church grows, become a stronger leader yourself, or to add more creativity to what you do, you're in the right place. I've spent the last 20 years leading worship, and I want to share with you the best of what I've learned. I know you've got the talent. I know you've got the calling. Now let's talk about everything else. Hey guys, welcome back to the Healthy Worship Team Podcast. And like I said, my name's Julie, and I'm so glad to be here with you today. Last episode, we started talking about how to know it's time to make a change. And we're going to touch on, in this episode, we're going to touch on one of those big reasons. And the first one I want to talk about is when your leader says it's time to make a change. Sometimes it's my call and I get to decide how that rotation is going to go or what song is going to be played. And then sometimes there are changes that are coming down from, um, from higher up things like core values or, um, how we interact with volunteers or how things are structured. And so I just want to go back and share a little bit about my story. In 2016, when our church was ready to make that change, we knew it was time for for growth and for change. We knew God had something new for us, but we didn't exactly know how to get there and we didn't know what to do. But thank God, our senior pastor who came in, our new senior pastor, he did know what needed to change very quickly and immediately in order to start to see great momentum. And here's the thing. It, it deeply affected every single thing that we did as a worship team. He, he focused first on the Sunday service and adjusting some of the things that were maybe enjoyable or comfortable to us longtime members of the church, but absolutely completely unfamiliar or very hard to understand or contextualize from an outsider's point of view. He That was the main shift that we started making right at first was let's open up our hearts and our lives to be ready to receive people who need a home church. Everybody wants that. In practice, it takes an outsider to help you recognize where maybe we weren't looking through that lens of how does it feel for somebody coming in for the first time. So our senior pastor, he comes in and he's helping us shift some things very quickly so that we can start to change how we how we act and how we work together. And uh, I had a couple choices. I could either sit back and figure out if this was going to be a good idea and I could hold out to see if, if I um, thought that maybe I could handle it or I had the opportunity to say, if I want to make this change come about, I'm going to have to lean all the way in. And so by the grace of God, that's exactly what I decided to do. I, I think maybe I had a moment of, <laughs> a moment of wisdom where I thought um, one day I'm going to be the one handing off the responsibility to take some changes. And I really want to be someone that can be trusted and I want to know what it feels like to to do this so that when I hand it off to the next person, I know what I'm asking of them. And so, so I did, I worked really hard to, 
to understand what my senior pastor was asking me to do before I implemented the change down the down the chain of command. I was the person between the volunteers and my senior pastor. And so when he said something needed to change that had been going on for a long time, maybe it was a specific instrument or or a certain way we did things, I made sure that I understood the purpose behind it and why so that I could communicate that very authentically and and with conviction. The end of the story is that um, nobody's hair caught on fire by changing some of those things that we did all the time back in the day by me getting rid of all the chord charts or um, changing the instrumentation that was on the stage. Everybody survived. We all made it through. And I didn't fall into a pile of ash because I had to ask someone even older than me to do something or to change something. We made it through. And not only that, but that was the gateway for so many of the incredible changes and for our team to really step into the new season. It wasn't really about the color of the walls. It wasn't really about what instruments were on the team, on the stage. What it was really about was, do we believe that God has something in store for us in this next season that's new, that we haven't experienced before, and that the best is yet to come? And if we do, we don't hold as tightly to the things that we've known or understand in the past. So anyways, that's my story. Be encouraged. Change happens even when it's not your idea and when someone asks you to do it. So I want to share with you my top two mistakes that I've made when it comes to communicating with my senior leader and um, dealing with, you know, that was a great example of like, oh, I was ready and I was excited and, and I was changing things that I wasn't emotionally attached to. But that was like day one to day like 90 or 120. That was seven years ago. Since then, my senior pastor has asked me to do things that I did not see coming. That was not my idea that I was emotionally attached to. And I had to um, navigate through some of those things in order to make sure that we were working together. So before I give you my top two mistakes, I, I just want to encourage you in this. We talked last week about owning our own part. So when we work with our senior leader, the first thing we need to ask ourselves is, am I ready? Am I ready to, um, am I going to be on board with the heart of what's going on, regardless of whether this is my preference or not? You need to decide that. If you don't decide that, and if you don't actually think that through for yourself ahead of time, you will either be acting out of, I am on board, or you'll be acting out of, I'm not on board, regardless of whether you are sounding like you're agreeing or you're being compliant or not. It's really important for your heart and your mind to be in line with your actions. Like bad things happen to your body and to your mind when you're living one way and you're thinking and feeling when you're talking one way and when you're acting another way, when you're believing one way and acting another way. That's really not how God intended us to live out our lives. And so so the first thing is taking personal responsibility for deciding if you're in or if you're not in on a change. So top two mistakes that I made, um, that I have made, and I kind of make a lot. So number one with, with senior leaders, with senior pastors. So say they ask you to do something or they're like, I want to talk about this new thing or whatever it is. The first big mistake that I made was walking away confused 
after they shared their big idea. You could also say walking away, um, not understanding or making an assumption about what they mean, but not actually being sure or clear about what they mean. Depending on your senior pastor's personality type, how they think, how they lead, you may have someone who's very, very methodical and thoughtful and doesn't think out loud. And you may have someone who's very creative and spontaneous and loves to throw out ideas and loves to throw out concepts for their team to workshop or to think through, pray through. So whatever it is, you have to take into consideration what type of person. But regardless of that, there is no senior leader that's going to be perfect in communicating. They won't answer all your questions right away. And if you don't know how to, to ask for um, some clarity, then um, you're going to walk away either confused and like, I'm not really sure what they asked of me. Or for me personally, I would walk away like emotionally activated. Okay, so say my senior pastor would be fired up and excited about an idea. I'm just automatically thinking, this is it. And it's, it, this is the, this is what's happening. And he would have this exciting idea that felt like it was a little bit of a right turn from where we were trying to go. And I would feel so like confused and stressed out and like, why are, would we take this huge right turn when we've already got this great plan going? And that's not to, um, that's not to speak badly of them. That's how he was thinking what my job is at that moment is not to just sit there and be like, I'm so stressed out and I don't know what to do and I don't know what to say. Once somebody comes with you, once your senior leader comes to you with an idea, with whether it's an idea or a plan, once they come to you with that, now it's time to start asking questions. And the job and your role when it comes to asking questions, especially when it comes to change, is for you to understand the nature, the purpose and the, the practicals of what that looks like. So if you don't understand the nature of the change or the purpose of the change, then you need to ask questions to understand that. You do not have to decide how you feel about that change right away. You can ask questions. In fact, you should. You should ask like 10 questions before you decide how you feel. If you're anything like me, I'm at like negative two questions before I've already decided how I feel or what my, or I guess I should say what my first impression is about it. I tend to pick up things and try to conceptualize it really fast. Um, so I get a good over overarching knowledge of it. And so then I can say, all right, moving forward or not moving forward. And, uh, but that's not to say that, that your mind can't be changed. So when you're presented with a change by your senior leader, you're going to change something in your service. And if it's anything that you've already constructed, whether it's the order of service or how long something is or whatever it is, you have emotional buy-in with it because you've spent time and, and, and you've thought through those things. So, But your job is to ask questions to understand. Your job is not to ask questions in order to prove them wrong or to change their mind. Your job is to ask questions so that you can understand their heart and so that you guys can be unified. So like I said, the top mistake you can make is to walk away confused or discouraged or feel really disconnected from your senior leader after he's brought a change. 
And that's really on you after they bring you the information. So before you start making decisions based on how you feel, you've got to take that time. The other mistake I would make when it came to walking away confused was maybe I wasn't like confused or upset about what was happening or like, you know, frustrated or, or not understanding. Maybe I was assuming too much responsibility for the idea or the change that was happening. And I struggled with that some. If I had asked more questions before I started moving in action, I probably would have had less um, stress and less backtracking on having to kind of undo what I had done. I'd hear something and think, okay, this is what we're doing, and I've got to do it. I've got to do it all. And a few times there were moments when I needed to stop and backtrack, and actually that wasn't my responsibility, and it came from a good heart, but the mistake was that I didn't ask questions before we moved forward. The second big mistake that I made was I missed out on a very, very important question that is just a really good skill to have if you're working in any office or you're working in any group of people. But the question is, is now a good time? So I am a very passionate, creative person. I'm excited. I get, you know, if you work in creative areas, if you're the worship leader, that means you're thinking about music, you're thinking about um, arrangements, you're thinking about special services. And you may be in a creative meeting, but more than likely, the pitfall is not in the creative meeting. It's every other time. So depending on what type of access you have to your senior leader, and I had a lot of access. We were, things were coming together very quickly and we were working on the fly, but there were a few times when I realized that I would come blazing in. And of course he was so kind and the door was open and he really enjoys that type of leadership being accessible to his people, which by the way, I found out later is not always super normal, but the door was open for that. And so I would come in and think that I was proving myself or bringing all these great ideas. And he, I would watch, <laughs> he would turn his, turn his head to me and I would say, oh, I have this great idea, blah, 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 blah. And I would literally watch his like wheels spin out. And he would just say, Hey, just give me one second because I was blowing and going, getting in there and talking about my ideas with no concept or awareness that he was doing many other things, not just freewheeling on what we were going to do for the worship service. So he was pastoring people. He was leading and mentoring other, other people. They weren't in the room with him. I'm saying he was at his computer and he was doing important work. And so it would have served me better if I had taken a moment, taken a deep breath, jumped up and down in my office for a minute and then either shot him a text or an email or something. And instead of just coming with my stuff to say, Hey, when you have a few minutes, I'd love to share with you some creative ideas. Or the other thing is when there's, when there are concerns, if there's something that feels very urgent and very important to you, take a minute, ask if it's a good time to talk about those things um, and bring that up on a, on an email or a text message Give them a chance to have time to give you their full attention because they are carrying a lot of things. If it helps you understand how difficult it is for them 
because sometimes, I don't know, I can just be kind of selfish and be like, I'm who you're leading. I'm who you need to be talking to. This is really important right now. But think about for a minute how it feels when you have team members that are acting that way toward you and um, kind of demanding that you give them their time. What if everybody was coming at you all at once? Wouldn't that be difficult? Like a little bit of understanding of the weight that you carry as a team leader of caring for them, of of um, preparing things for them, it would help for them to have some respect for that. And anytime I think about something that I would want my team to do for me, I start to think about if I'm reflecting that to my leaders above me. And this brings me to a really important cultural principle that we implemented very quickly. We learned this from Church of the Highlands. And this idea just gave me words to, to, uh, it gave me words around what I knew needed to happen for our team. Uh, Pastor Chris Hodges says, you cannot create a culture. You have to be the culture. And so here's my, here's my big principle that I'm just throwing in here spontaneously. If you want to see excellence, you must be excellent. If you want to see honor and respect from your team, you must be honorable and respectful to the leaders above you. And the reason why it's not karma, it's literally fruit comes down the line. And so whatever you do and whatever you value, whatever you maximize, whatever you optimize, you will see your team do the same thing. It's just the law of influence. It's the law of leadership that they will take what you do and they will do what you do. And so if you see a gap in your team, that's why I'm spending so much time focusing on that level of personal ownership. So um, that's what I've got for you on my, it's time to make a change when the leader says it's time to make a change and my top two mistakes. But I do want to add in a new segment today. Um, I really love articles and music and all of those things. And in another episode, when we talk about change, we're going to talk about burnout. And one of the reasons why we burn out is because we, one of the ways you know that you're burned out, excuse me, is because you are, um, one of the ways you know that you're experiencing burnout is that you're not enjoying yourself and there's like nothing happening in your life other than what you do for work. And so anyways, uh, this last couple years have been really amazing and I started reading uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry and that book is incredible by John Mark Comer. If you're needing access to information about uh, wisdom about what a Sabbath really looks like, that's a really great place to start. But the thing that kind of sparked in me was one of the things that he talked about was on a Sabbath about enjoying and celebrating our day of rest was that he hadn't, he realized he hadn't read fiction in a really long time. And that absolutely sparked me to my core because I love to read. And I realized that if we're being fully, fully honest, I really hadn't read a book like for fun since Netflix was invented. I'm I'm a hundred percent sure that I could track that to the day that as soon as I found out about Netflix, I stopped reading real books. 
And I realized I kind of sat up in my seat when I read that book, read that in, in, uh, the ruthless elimination of hurry. And it started sparking that hunger again. And I was like, okay, it's not impossible. We just have to make space for it. But okay. So here's my new segment. It's called my favorite things. And when we do this segment, I'm going to tell you guys something that I love and that has, um, um, spoken to me or popped out to me. It might be music, it might be literature, but I wanted to start by telling you about this cool article, um, in the Christianity, Christianity Today magazine. And so I'm just going to read you a couple quotes. This is what kicked it all off. Um, so the, the article is called reading for the love of the world. And it's this great article that I saw um, on their Instagram page. They linked it in their bio. And I'm actually going to put a link to that magazine article down in the show notes so that you can have access to it as well. Um, But the author is talking about how reading contemporary fiction is good for us as Christians. So I'm just going to read a couple quotes. Um, She said, when we read contemporary fiction, we are ironically in good historical company in most every era of history, Christian thought leaders have been clear-eyed readers of new release works and not only of overtly Christian volumes. So the article's great. It's in-depth. It talks about some of our great Christian thinkers, C.S. Lewis, Emily Dickinson, and some other really great people, and just kind of laid it out to say, to just kind of talk to us super Christian people who have grown up in church culture all through the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s, thinking that everything that isn't written by a Christian is scary or hurtful or harmful. And especially for worship leaders, um, we do have a responsibility to keep our hearts pure. Also, we have a responsibility to cultivate our own hearts and our souls and to understand what's going on in the world. So here's a couple other quotes. She said, Great literary works may touch not just theology, but philosophy, psychology, pop culture, politics, sociology, science, economics, and all that undergirds human society. Uh, And she also said, contemporary literature also helps us listen to more of our neighbors. Americans are increasingly in groups isolated from people unlike them. I can can speak from personal experience. Over the last two years, I'd say three years, I really started reading much more, um, proficiently again since my kind of college years. But in the last couple years, I've really worked on finding fiction that I can read while and add that to other things that I'm doing. Something has to give, like I don't watch as much TV anymore, or, um, I don't play on my phone at night as much anymore because I read, which is really awesome. And also, I've made more relationship connections since I started reading fiction. I've made more connections with people that are outside of church, and I've also made more connections with people that are inside the church that I'm here to love and to care for because I have interests outside of what key that song is in. I'm not saying those things aren't important. They're super important. But there's other parts to life too, and it's important to enjoy them. So I'm just encouraging you. If you have been feeling kind of dry in the inspiration realm, this segment, My Favorite Things, is here to help that. So go check out the link in the bio for the article if you want to, or go find your favorite old paperback and read a book 
or go find a new one and read and see what the world, what's happening in the world so that you can connect better to the people that you're leading. That's all I've got for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode and if this is encouraging to you, then I would love it if you would like and maybe put me a review on whatever platform that you're listening on and I very much appreciate it. We'll see you guys later.